I'm never going to apologize for winning. Breaks a tackle. Now oh. another. He's oh. inside the five. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. He is sacked. Down he goes. Tyler Hoover breaks away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. You're listening to Impact Sports Radio. This is Spartan Red Zone with your host, Dan Tyler. What's going on, East Lansing? You're here for another edition of the Spartan End Zone, as always, with your host, Dan Tyler. To my left, I got Brad Allen with me. Brad, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Dan. I think you said Spartan End Zone, but I'm going to forgive you for that. Red Zone, End Zone, totally the same thing. Oh, you know... My mistake on that part, you know, Spartan Red Zone, Spartan Red Zone, folks, in case I misspoke. And with us, we have a very special guest, uh, the print sports editor from the Daily Nebraskan, Eric Bertrand. Eric, thanks for joining us today, my man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So no need to beat around the bush or anything. We got a huge primetime matchup on Saturday between our two programs, 8 p.m. under the lights, uh, top 20 matchup. Could potentially be a preview of the Big Ten Championship game in Indy. I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, you know, overall in the matchup, what are your thoughts first off, Eric? Well, I'm excited to see this Michigan State's run defense versus the just the rushing attack from Nebraska. I mean, something's got to give in that. Absolutely. You know, um, Amir Abdullah has been building uh, his Heisman candidacy all year long so far in the first five games. Just on a tear, I believe 883 yards to start off. And, and that, you know, just straight up looking at the matchups, that's what jumps out at you at first. It's Michigan State's rush defense that's allowing just under 80 yards per game versus who might be the best running back in the country. So, you know, that is probably going to be the main story all game long. Everybody knows how Nebraska likes to establish the run and stuff. And, you know, just jumping out the gate, do you think that Nebraska is going to be giving the Sardins a heavy dose of that rushing attack? I think it would be, that's probably what's going to happen is just a lot of run really quick, and they might try and sprinkle in a couple play action on that first drive just to keep it in the back of the minds that they can pass the ball with Tommy Armstrong too. He's completed about 53% of his passes this year, so and it's really because that running game can open up the passing game. So, Tell us a little bit how, how Armstrong has looked this year because you know, he's in his sophomore campaign, uh, showed uh, some good signs of, of, of brilliance last season, but also there were some games, for example, against Michigan State where he had a tendency to, to turn the ball over. So, so how's he been looking through the first five games? Yeah, through the first five games, he's really picked it up. And you had to bring up last year's, of course. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely held on to the ball a lot better. Um, last game against... Uh, in their last game, he made one interception where he kind of just left it over the middle, and it was kind of a last-ditch effort, and it just didn't pan out. Other than that, he's really – all you have to do is hold on to the ball in this offensive scheme. So as long as he does that, that's all he really needs to do. Yeah, and can you talk about some of your other weapons that you have? We all know about Tommy Armstrong. We all know about Amir Abdullah, Fear Amir in that whole campaign, who does uh, Tommy Armstrong look to besides Abdullah on offense to make plays for you guys? Well, he's got two really good targets in Kenny Bell and Jordan Westerkamp, 
And I'm pretty sure you guys have seen Westerkamp on ESPN's top plays a couple of times with those just insane catches. Yeah, I remember that behind um, the back one week one. That was that was out of oh, the world, man. That was crazy. It seems like every week he's got a one-handed grab at some point in the game. But those two can definitely stretch the field. They like to run verts on the defenses, and they can run right by some of them, those uh, corners too. It's going to be tough with the no-fly zone, Michigan State, though. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, that pans out because – you know, Michigan State is, is known for having some great cornerback play in the past. Obviously, the the Thorpe winner from last year and Darquez Denard, but you know he's gone. He's he's playing for the Bengals this season, and and we got a couple fresher guys in there. Trey Waynes was starter last year, but Darian Hicks is starting in his first season. And uh, you know the Spartans have given up some big passing plays, and you know part of part of that is to to be expected with the press coverage scheme they run, but definitely. With some some streaking receivers like you guys have, it's going to be a dangerous type of game. If we're playing a little bit too heavily on that rush game with Abdullah, and then bang, you know, just one quick play. Uh, if if Armstrong can make the throw, I think there's going to be a couple times when guys like Bell and and and, and Westercamp are going to be open rushing down the sidelines. So uh, I think cornerback play is going to be one of the biggest things for Michigan State this game. Just making sure that they give Armstrong no easy looks and that they're not biting on the run too much because the safeties are going to be playing up pretty tightly just with with the fear of Abdullah there. You know, uh, nobody has, nobody's rushed on Michigan State quite like Amir Abdullah has in the past. Uh, he had over 120 yards, I believe, against us last season. Um, and really, I think the score of that game makes it look like Michigan State did a better job against the rushing attack of Nebraska. Um because he, he really looked like he could do whatever he wanted in that game, and he ran all over Michigan State. Yeah, that was a that was a exciting game last year. Michigan State finally got some revenge. Eric, I know you you a little upset that we have to bring up last year, but you got us the two years before that. Uh, five turnovers for Nebraska, I think, is really what did it last year in that game. That would have been a lot closer. Amir Abdullah ran for 123 yards. Tommy Arm- Armstrong threw for a couple touchdowns, but... You know, Connor Cook had a good game last year too, and Jeremy Lankford. I think one thing I'm looking forward to with the game tomorrow is seeing the two best running backs in the Big Ten with Amir Abdullah and Jeremy Lankford uh, going head to head, and it should be a very high scoring game, a lot of offense. All right, so let's let's move it on to the the other side of the football because everybody knows the big marquee matchup of the game is going to be Nebraska's tough rushing attack against Michigan State's stingy rush defense. And it should be a great, you know, it should be a great matchup, obviously, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, the, the offensive line that Nebraska gets is, is pretty underrated. I don't know if they get enough credit for what Abdullah has been doing. And, you know, Michigan State has a, a pretty tough run defense under Narduzzi. But moving along to the other side of the ball, Randy Gregory, on your guys' defensive end, Eric, is just a monster. So, so tell me a little bit about how he's been looking this year because he he was in Michigan State's backfield all game last season. Yeah, well, Randy, Randy has he kind of took a big hit in the first game and he was injured the second game, didn't play, and really had a kind of a no show against Fresno, and then all of a sudden he just lit it up. And I think last game he had two and a half sacks, um, second straight week with two sacks in the game. Um, he's definitely someone offensive line is going to be looking for every time he's out there. And they're kind of switching it up. He's 
been roving around as linebacker on some plays, and he'll drop back and pass coverage. So he can also hurt you there now is what uh, John Capuchas is trying to do, the defensive coordinator. And then another guy to look at would be uh, Greg McMullen on the, on the other side on the defensive end. You know, with all the attention going to Randy, he can really light it up too and probably shouldn't take him lightly either. Yeah, you know, always when you're going to have that one marquee guy on one side, it's easy for everybody to kind of stack up on that side and worry about that guy. And then, you know, like you said, he's he's not a he's not a scrub over there on the other side. He's he's able to get in there. He's only a sophomore, correct? I, I believe, but yeah. he, you know, has shown some good strides from from last season to this season. Um, obviously, getting a lot more playing time. So you know we'll see we'll see how that works. Michigan State has a kind of similar aspect with it. You know you have Shalee Calhoun on one side, and people kind of forget about Marcus Rush on the other. But I want to go back really quickly to what you said about Randy Gregory, about him going in linebacker a little bit this year, which yeah. is a terrifying thought for opposing offenses. <laughs> you know you got a six six two forty plus guy who you're used to seeing lining up on the ground, but then he's he's dropping back in coverage. And, and he certainly has the speed to to keep up with some tight ends and running backs out the backfield. Um, How has he looked when he when he has when he's been dropping back in some some pass coverage at linebacker so far this year? You know, he's only done it a couple times. It's just kind of those maybe two or three times a game he'll actually drop back into coverage. But when he goes in that linebacker spot, really what he's looking for is that hole in the offensive line, and he just bursts through it too. And that's really when he put some pressure on the uh, line ice quarterback, um, Riley O'Toole, last week. It was just, you've never seen a more open path for Randy Gregory, I think. I think it kind of surprised him, too, at first. Yeah, you know, that's that's got to be terrifying for a quarterback, you know, seeing that guy with some speed and momentum picking up, coming at you untouched. Definitely not something that Michigan State will be able to uh, to let up. Because, like I said, last season, Gregory was, was all in Michigan State's backfield and, you know, wrecking havoc for Cook, even though Cook had a good game and stuff. But he had a fair amount of pressures in there, some hurry in the pocket. And um, I definitely expect that this year it's just about Michigan State minimizing his his impact on the game, pretty much. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that matchup, Brad? Um, you know, between, between Randy Gregory going at Jack Conklin – on the offensive line and and him just trying to trying to limit his hurries on Cook. Yeah, I think Michigan State's offensive line has been pretty good so far this season. The one thing I'd be concerned about is is holding penalties. We had a couple against Wyoming. Um, I think it's going to be a a battle there every every step of the way. You know, Nebraska's got some experience going going against some better teams. They played Miami, uh, Miami Hurricanes a couple weeks ago. And I think the Oregon game has prepared Michigan State's offensive line to go against some big some big guys, and uh, it's it's going to be a battle. It's going to be like a heavyweight fight, and I'm looking forward to to seeing to seeing what happens. Absolutely. Uh, and moving along with with Nebraska's defense a little bit, Eric, you guys had to replace a couple corners from last season. Uh, obviously, kind of a, a work in progress so far this season, but. Uh, a guy that I noticed that that stepped up pretty well and had some good games uh, was Daniel Davey. Um, how was what have you seen out of him this year, and, and how do you think he'll be able to to help kind of try to corral Michigan State's pass offense that's been so efficient these first four games? Well, yeah, Daniel Davey had a really 
I don't think he could have had a better game than last week. Um, two interceptions, actually his first two interceptions of his career. Um, you know, he stepped up. He kind of had a rough start, kind of like Randy did, and he's just really stepped up. And I think the coaches kind of challenged him. And last week he showed that he's ready to take on this role of kind of the second corner on the team behind Josh Mitchell. Absolutely. You know, you got you got Mitchell there, who's kind of a senior leader. He's been in the program for longer, so he's a lot more comfortable with that defensive scheme that you guys are running. Um, a big thing with, with Michigan State's offense, though, is they're not a team that has one or two main targets they go to. Um, you know, you can expect Cook to throw to six or seven, maybe even sometimes eight different guys. So they're constantly rotating in different receivers, keeping them fresh. Um what is so? What, what's the depth at your secondary position like? And, and do you think that um, your secondary will be able to keep up with all the different sets of receivers Michigan State will be throwing out there on Saturday? That's actually going to be the second best matchup in the game is seeing how the Huskers' secondary can defend. Pretty much, I think you guys have had sixteen players with at least one reception this year. That I sounds mean, about right. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's that's really awesome. If on Michigan State side, like you can just throw it to sixteen different guys, that's that's hard for anyone to defend. But Josh Mitchell, Daniel Davey, uh, Nate Gary, a converted linebacker to safety, uh, now he's really stepped up too. That it's just going to be interesting because they're pretty young in the secondary, aside from Davey and Mitchell. So it's really kind of uh, unknown how they will react. Yeah, you know, and it's going to be a tough situation to throw these guys in. Um, you know, you got a couple freshmen, backup guys in there, and you know, it could it'll be it'll be a, a big learning curve being at a, a tough a tough environment like Michigan State at a night game and stuff. But you know, they've looked pretty solid so far. Um, gave up a decent amount of passing yards to to Miami, but also got a couple picks. Um, so just kind of look like. It looks like they've been growing steadily throughout the year, throughout the first five games, and you know, obviously, you guys have had a successful first five games, five and zero. So that helps build on the confidence that those younger guys need. And I guess this will be their first huge test, you know, at seeing if they can go out there and get some good snaps and, and, and give the starters a rest because you know they're going to be needing it. Like I said, Michigan State are just they're constantly churning out different sets of receivers, throwing different guys out there. Uh, the only guy you can be sure that's going to get a lot of looks really is Tony Lippett, who has easily emerged as Cook's favorite target so far this year. Um, but, you know, just moving on, let's go to special teams here. Um, you know, you guys have some speed at at returner, but I noticed that that Kenny Bell hasn't really been returning as much as he has in the, in the past seasons. Uh, why, why is that? Well, that's because DeMornay Pearsonell finally arrived on campus. Uh, freshman wide receiver, he took over the punt returning duties, and that's been a spot that Nebraska fans always get on the edge of their seats and kind of want to look away when a punt return's about to happen previous years. it's It's been the scariest part. We fumble a lot, and it was just not fun to watch. And now with Pearsonell, this guy, he'll catch it and just run. I mean, that's really what you want your punt returner to do, and I think that's really why you're not seeing Bell anymore. And on kickoff returns, it's 
Pearson L and Abdullah back there with Abdullah being the primary returner. Yeah, you know, that's definitely uh an intimidating bunch back there. Because I've 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 heard a little bit about this Pearson L. Supposed to be a great athlete, you know, young guy, like you said, a freshman. So um obviously a talented guy out there. And then having Abdullah creating the magic that he can make, you know, that's not that's not something that Michigan State probably wants to kick to too often. Um, I expect probably, you know, we'll test them early, I feel like, but after a little bit, if, if those guys break a couple decent-sized returns, I feel like, you know, Michigan State might just say, forget it, you know, let's 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 stay away from that, uh, not let them get any big yards and just kick away from them. I'm not, I'm not too concerned, seeing as we have the best tackling punter in the nation in Mike Sadler. <laughs> uh, he had a tackle against Oregon, so I'm sure he's very anxious to uh, to get out there and make some plays on, on special teams. Yeah, you know, just bringing up Mike Sadler really quickly. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Eric, but the faux Polini Twitter account, which is pretty hilarious, um, oh, yeah. with, with his cat and everything, tweeted at Mike Sadler, what I can't remember exactly what it said. Asking him to to punt the ball the opposite direction for, for some unknown for, disease. Uh, I can't remember what the cause was, but they kept going back and forth for a while. That was, I mean, it's always funny when Phil Polini's on Twitter. Yeah, how long have you been following that um, that account, that uh, uh, parody account? Because it seems like it is extremely popular, more popular than any other parody sports. One of the best out yeah. there, for sure. Um, I think I began to follow Foe, I, I think, after the UCLA game last year, I think, is when I began to. Because um, yeah, he's always trending during the games. Like, halftime this year, he has the Ask Foe hashtag, and we'll be up in the press box, and all of a sudden, that's trending on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> worldwide. And what's the what what do fans think about that? I know like people people get a kick out of it, but as a Nebraska fan, do people enjoy oh, they that? Love they love it. They, they love it because um, Bo's so serious on the field, and he's had some of his off field issues recently. But he's really trying to like turn it around, and I think Foe's kind of helping with that with the whole cat thing. Last spring game, Bo came out of the tunnel walk holding his cat like the Lion King uh, Simba <laughs> thing. But I think it's really given the fans uh, and Bo a chance to like kind of laugh at themselves and have some fun. Because here at Michigan State, we have a there's a parody Tom Izzo account. Have you seen that, Dan? <laughs> I've seen a couple of tweets. I don't. That. This is just my opinion. I think it's the worst ever, and it might be just because <laughs> I'm a huge Tom Izzo fan. But I just, as a parody account, I don't think it does a, a good job. I'm looking at it right now at not Tom Izzo, his most recent tweet, which he tweets this same exact one like multiple times a day. Did you know that I'm best friends with at Steve Mariucci with a picture of him and Steve Mariucci? Um, so yeah, I would much rather have a faux Bo Pelini type parody account than the not Tom Izzo. Well, the, one. the thing about Izzo is. He despises Twitter. Yeah. It's like gotta be top three on his hate list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like turnovers, Roy Williams, yeah. and then Twitter. I mean, I saw him on Mike and Mike, I think last season sometime, and he spent the whole segment he was on there pretty much just complaining about Twitter. So I don't think that really works, but 
you know, the funny thing with Bo Pelini is I feel like, at least, you know, from an outsider's perspective, I think the Bo Pelini Twitter account helped Bo Pelini, the real Bo Pelini, I think it helped his image out in terms of for the Nebraska fans in the community a little bit. Do you do you see that a little bit? Because people were getting down on Bo a little bit after last season. He showed a little bit of a comedic side, you know, like you said, bringing his cat out in the tunnel at the spring game. Um, I think people kind of lightened up to him a little bit. What do you, what do you think about that, Eric? Definitely. Um, I think Bo Pelini is speak or saying what Bo Pelini can't on the <laughs> field. I think that's why everyone loves him. Does anybody Nebraska. know who is behind that account? Um, I th- I'm pretty sure he's from Omaha. I'm not 100% on that. And I know ESPN did something with him, the actual person. But, no, they kind of keep that secret. I wonder if it actually is Bo Pelini. He has a parody account of himself to better his own <laughs> image. <laughs> and he just, every time on the sideline when he turns away from the cameras, he's actually tweeting. Yeah. I would like him more for that. I would, yeah. I would respect that. That'd be an awesome move. Tom Mizzo, if you want to, if you ever need to recover your image, he can create a, a, a real and actual good parody account of himself. But I doubt he would ever do that. No, no, he would sooner die than create a Twitter account and be tweeting. Mark live D'Antonio the game. is on actual Twitter, as far as I know, and so is like some other coaches. They're all on there, but. They're little, all business. Yeah, though. it's all business. Spartan, what is their thing? Uh, MSU Hard Knocks or whatever is their hashtag that they use. Yeah, there. they have different little sayings. Sometimes they change it up week by week. Um, but getting down getting down to business really quick one last time, let's do some score predictions here really quickly. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot first, Brad. Okay. Uh, 8 o'clock game tomorrow night. Nebraska coming into Spartan Stadium, who comes out and by what score? Well, I'll say that this is a must-win for Michigan State and Nebraska, really. Uh, Nebraska is the only unbeaten team left in the Big Ten. It, this is a huge game. Uh, it's going to be, I think, pretty high scoring, and Michigan State really needs to win this game. Uh, it's, a, it's a big one for them. It'll be the biggest win on their resume until they play Nebraska again. December 6th. So, Eric, we'll talk to you again December 6th because uh, these two teams are going to meet again in the Big Ten Championship. I don't think there's a, two teams that are getting out of uh, the division out of the west over Nebraska or out of the east over Michigan State. Back in July, I picked uh, – it was either July or August when I did my way too early predictions. I picked Nebraska over Michigan State. Um, I think if Michigan State does win this game, I think they win out and – but if they do lose any more games this season, I think it's I think it's this weekend. I think it's tomorrow night, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my original score, and that's uh, 28 Nebraska, 24 Michigan State. Uh, another close game. I think that's the exact same score uh, from the 2012 game, and uh, that's what I'm gonna stick with. All right, Brad Allen picking against the Spartans. I know. I go- Hey, I'm wrong like most of the time. So I'm gonna give out his phone number later in case you guys want to text him some some hate mail and stuff. Yeah. All right, so moving on to you, Eric. You got a you got a score prediction for the game? Yeah, I agree with uh, Brad over here. Uh, this I think we'll definitely see Michigan State again this year. Um, the only team I'm really worried about is uh, Wisconsin coming out of the West, but um, and with a team like maybe Maryland or. 
Iowa maybe getting one of those upset wins over Nebraska later in the season. Um, yeah, I say a little bit higher scoring. I'm going to say 35-31 Huskers in this one. All right. Late all right. touchdown. Late touchdown. Abdullah touchdown by any chance? It could be, or I might even throw a curveball and say Pearson L takes one back late in the game Ooh. on punt return. That would be uh, just such a heartbreak. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. And that's totally predictable, and that's totally Spartan Spartan football right there, if that were to happen. Yeah, you know, that would be bad news, but... You know, I agree with part of you. I agree with part of what both of you guys were saying. Um, I think that Nebraska has got the West Division probably. I, I can't. I guess I can't say locked up. You know, they're only one to zero in conference. Um, but you know, I know it was the first game, but Wisconsin playing against LSU was just a brutal game of football to watch because it was just so terribly played. By both teams, I think, but Wisconsin especially. You know, you get 50 yards passing on a whole game and, and blow that kind of lead. That was just atrocious. I, you know, and their backup quarterback has the yips or did have the yips. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think that they should be too much of a challenge for you guys. Um, and I, I also don't think that, you know, teams like Michigan and Ohio State will be too much of a challenge for Michigan State either. So I, I agree no matter the outcome of this game, we'll probably be seeing you guys at the Big Ten Championship. Um, you know, I, I just got to – I think I'm going with the Spartans on this one, though. I agree that if I could see Michigan State losing in the regular season, it would be this game. It would be at night. Uh, excuse me, at night. Um, but I'm going to go with 31-27 to 27, Michigan State. Um, kind of the opposite of what you said, Eric. I think there's going to be a, a big defensive stop late in the game. Um, you know, something with with uh, Armstrong trying to trying to hit Abdullah out in the flats, and Michigan State just shutting that down. But you know, we all think it's going to be a close game, and it should be a great one. In other circumstances, it may have been college game day, but there's so many other great games on on Saturday, and and they chose Ole Miss and, and Bama. Um, but you know, either way, you know, I'm excited for it. 8 p.m. tomorrow night should be a great game. Did you predict your score? Did you give a score or did you just get MSU? 31-27. 31-27. Because I got way too early. You originally picked Dan 27-24 MSU. My original pick was 24-17 Nebraska. So I've updated to 28-24, a repeat of 2012, and Eric has 35-31 Nebraska. Correct, yes. I, I mean, you know, watching watching this season – start off and seeing these two offenses, you know, kind of explode as they have, um, you know, had to put a little more points on the board. You know, Cook has been incredibly just efficient in in terms of the offense. The passing game is better than I thought it would be. And also, you know, Nebraska's just been running the ball down teams' throats, and and I think that this is going to be another scenario where they're going to get their rushing yards. Michigan State just just needs to try to keep it to a minimum, but you know, like I said, it's going to be a fantastic game, and I'm looking forward to it. I think we all are. All right, well, Eric, it's Eric Bertrand, like I said, print sports editor at the Daily Nebraskan. Uh, thank you so much for being on, man. No problem. Thanks for having me, Ed. Yeah, you're coming to East Lansing tomorrow? I'm not. Our online sports editor is on his way there. All right, well, we'll be uh, we'll be in touch. We'll hopefully see you in Indianapolis December 6th. Hopefully. All right. Thanks, Eric.
No problem.